This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the CNIB Venture Zone podcast. My name is Kevin Shaw. I'm going to be co-hosting along with Jacqueline Gilmore. Say hi, Jacqueline. Hi. And uh, we've got some really exciting things uh, for you today. We have a uh, panel here. This event is called uh, Building Your Brand, Marketing Yourself and Your Story. Uh, We're going to be learning about uh, what what, what do you need to do to market your company effectively? How do you engage? with your audience, both online and offline, so on the web and in person. Uh, How do you uh, effectively communicate your company's values? All of that, and uh, we will let you guys ask our panelists questions. But first, uh, just so you know, we're going to be doing this again next month with another entrepreneurship panel called the Entrepreneurship Ask Me Anything. It is a panel where we will have three entrepreneurs with sight loss uh, in a very similar format to this. They'll be here and you can ask them all kinds of questions about how they got their businesses started, what keeps them going, what troubles they had as entrepreneurs, and uh, so much more. And we'll actually be giving you an opportunity to give your 60-second elevator pitch. Uh, So if you guys don't know what an elevator pitch is, you basically pitch your company in the time that it takes the elevator to go from the bottom floor of the building to the top floor, or the top floor to the bottom floor. Uh, And we will actually have some cool prizes for the person with the best elevator pitch. So all of that and much more you can find out at cnib.ca slash entrepreneurship. So if uh, if you guys want, as I said, we've, we've got um, a lot of exciting things planned for today, and here to introduce our panelists is Jacqueline. Hi guys, uh, so I'm Jacqueline Gilmore. I'm the Assistant Program Coordinator for Entrepreneurship. So we're very excited to host three experts in digital marketing and branding strategy. Um, so first we have Trista DeVries on your left. Hello. So she is a longtime digital strategist and entrepreneur. She was the founder and publisher for Toronto Film Scene, an online film magazine focused on highlighting Canadian talent. She also co-founded the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce, and she's the CEO of Trista DeVries & Company, a web design and marketing agency focused on helping female entrepreneurs. Hi, everybody. It's wonderful to be here. It's great to see you. Thank you for coming. On your right side, we have Brenda Van Ginkel, whose company is Narrative Build. She creates marketing strategies for small businesses with a social impact. She helps develop campaigns and websites that are relevant and engaging for customers. And she's passionate about companies with a focus on healthcare, sustainability, and clean energy. Some of her past clients actually include Levi's, BMO, and Fairmont Hotels. So welcome, Brenda. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. And last but not least, we have Paula Fletcher a freelance social media manager and digital marketer. She started her career in the film industry and has since worked in tech, accessibility, and women's entrepreneurship spaces. She strives to use marketing for good, and she helps (laughs) companies that are making a positive change to grow their online presence. When not doing that, she's busy updating her Instagram page where she creates art using Playmobil toys. 
So you can say hi, Paula. Hi. I'm so happy to be here today. Um, so our first question, we'd actually like to ask everybody. Um, so maybe we'll start with Trista. And what are some of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Um, so, so this is a massive question for my for 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 actually any of our areas of expertise. But um, I find in general that um, from a digital marketing perspective, the the biggest thing that entrepreneurs don't do when they're starting out, or the, the mistake, I guess, if you will, is that they don't do anything. Um, and then they make a lot of assumptions about their customers. So like 90% of the time, the people that I'm talking to who are like, oh, I don't want to bombard people with, uh, you know, with sending too many newsletters, uh, aren't sending any at all. Or they don't want to bug people with their social media, and they're probably not doing any. So um, I would say that doing something is better than doing nothing in general. Um, and, uh, and I'd say that's the bigger mistake that, that comes up in my sort of area of expertise. Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, one mistake I think that people do in marketing is they just sort of assume that everyone will be excited about whatever they put out there and they'll just sort of be very sales focused and not, uh, a lot of digital marketing is about providing value to your customer and then they will come back and uh, maybe buy your product, but that's how you start the relationship. So uh, I think it's sort of, uh, one of the biggest mistakes is uh, yeah, assuming that everybody's ex as excited about your product as you are, um, but uh, not providing value with that marketing. Yeah, I think you know those are both mm -hmm. really good points. And, and from a branding point of view, I think what I'd add is actually building on, on what you're saying. Because from my point of view, I think the biggest mistake that I see entrepreneurs do a lot is just not being empathetic. So not being empathetic to the people who they're trying to reach, the people who their product is made for, and just spending the time trying to understand them and where they fit into this problem that they are solving for the people that they're trying to reach. So there's a lot of kind of pushing out of information um, and often not enough listening or asking questions and really engaging, which is just essential for a budding brand. Right, so sort of like Paula was saying, um, just assuming everybody knows why your company has value. Yeah, I think there's, there's, it's easy to, um, for entrepreneurs to be so focused on what they think their value is um, that they're really not connecting often with their audience because they're not putting themselves in the place of the person that they're actually trying to connect with. And to me, that's just a really essential part of brand building. Knowing your audience. Exactly. Right. So Paula, um, social media is a really big thing now, which I think a lot of people know. It's a huge tool for marketing. Um, but it can all be a little confusing since there, you know, there's like YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Like, how would you start considering which channels you want to be on to reach your audience? Well, uh, yeah, like Brenda said, I think it's a lot about knowing your audience and then going to the channels where your audience is. Um, I think, yeah, one mistake entrepreneurs do make with social media is they assume they have to be everywhere and have sort of half doing something everywhere is not as, it's better to do really well in one or two places. 
Uh, and it just it depends on where your audience is, if you know where your target market is, because different social media platforms have different demographics. Like pretty much everybody's on Facebook, but like Twitter skews a little bit male and it skews a little bit older than say um, Instagram is, you know, if, if you have like a beauty brand, a travel brand, yes, yeah, something really visually appear, uh, visually appear, appealing, sorry, uh, then, uh, then Instagram is a great place for you. But say if you're accessibility minded, then Instagram is not a great place for you because it's not a particularly accessible platform. So it's about uh, figuring out who your audience is and then uh, doing the research to pick the one or two social networks that you know your audience is and then you'll find them so that you can start building on that relationship. Um, and what about posting the same content across all platforms? Um, you can do that to a certain degree. You have to be careful about it. Um, but uh, I mean, because you may still, you, you may have an announcement you want to share across channel and that's fine, you can do that. But you should be writing specific copy for each network because it's, I mean, there's uh, specific rules in terms of how much you can say or how you tag people it varies from network to network. Uh, so you know, it's good to even just take a few minutes to write for each channel if you're doing a couple of them. And what would you say are the difference in tones between, say, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter? Yeah, well, uh, Twitter's very conversational. People get, I mean, obviously there's a lot of opinions on Twitter, but that's the place where, yeah, people will be a lot more, this is how I feel, this is what I'm doing right now. It's a lot more, and because of the character limits, it's a lot more sort of these short spurts of feeling and opinions. Uh, or Instagram has, you, you can write a lot of copy on Instagram, and it's paired with a photo, so it's, it's uh, a lot more casual, but people can get really deep with their descriptions. Um, and uh, I think Facebook kind of falls actually between the two of them that uh, it, it can be, if you're on, if for business, it can be very professional and very uh, proper, but because it's also the place where all of your best friends are, it can get really uh, casual as well. Um, yeah. Kevin, did you have a question? I did, I did. So, so we've talked a little bit about um, uh, Jacqueline's talked a little bit about your uh, what what you guys do. Um, if I'm a brand new entrepreneur and I don't know anything about branding, brand building, how to uh, actually uh, take my product, let's say I I've decided you know I I make uh, you know I make soap, I make candles. If I want to go to a platform like Etsy, what are the basics that I need to know to sell my products on? On an external vendors like uh, like an Etsy or Amazon or eBay. Is that is that for anybody? That's a free for all question. Yeah. yeah. Read terms of use. Read the terms <laughs> of use like it's your job. Um, there and I don't mean to imply that anybody is trying to take you for a ride or that anybody is not is not being above board, but make sure that you fully understand things like the comp plan, who takes what, understand what the um, 
what the uh, payment processor is. Are you responsible for that? Is someone else, if say for example you're on eBay, you know, do you have to use PayPal? Is that, are you locked into that? Can you take e-transfers? There's a lot of questions around those kinds of things. Make sure that basically any question you can possibly think of about, like if you were gonna set up a brick and mortar business, like how would I get paid? How would I get my products to my location? How would I get them to the customer? And how would I get my customer in the door? If you can't answer those questions based on reading terms of use and they're sort of like general FAQ, that might not be the platform for you. That is, that's my, sorry, I, there are other people who can speak to like branding and, and Paula can I'm sure speak to the social aspects of, of, of that kind of thing, but that's the thing that I tell my clients the most, <laughs> so. I will just say from a branding point of view, it's, that is well outside of my experience, so I can't actually help with that. Actually, okay. I did have a question for you, which okay. is, um, it's kind of a crazy question, but Say somebody didn't know anything about branding their business at all. If you had to explain the basics in like 30 seconds, what would you tell them? Really what branding is, it's really how a person thinks about your company or you, if you're talking about a personal brand. So I think in a lot of people's minds, they think that a brand is a logo and a set of colors and a font and that sort of thing. And I think that branding with, with digital engagement and how everything has just sort of exploded in communications now, branding's so much more than that. So certainly that's an important component of, of a brand. But particularly when we're talking about entrepreneurship and early stage brands, brands are really are that impression that people have of what it is that you're doing. So that it's your story that's really important. Um, it's the way that you're communicating about what you're doing. That's the stuff that's really setting the tone for your brand. So when you've got a new product out and you're really cultivating relationships with your, with your customers, you're setting the tone for your brand in every little interaction that you're doing. So all of this is setting the stage for, with an early stage entrepreneur, for when you're ready to hire people, to design, to write, to do marketing communications, whatever. It's all of that early stuff that you're doing is really setting the stage so that you can, at that point when you're actually hiring people, say, this is what my brand is, this is what it stands for, um, and this is what it's doing for people, this is sort of what its job is and the place that it has. That's really what a brand is to me. So, so maybe keeping, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. So Brenda, just as a, as a, as a follow-up to that, if I'm branding myself and I'm, I'm my own entrepreneur, it's just me, I'm you know, sort of a you know, one-man shop, one-woman shop, um, how do I brand myself effectively versus branding you know, a, a, an actual company? So I think when you're um, a sole entrepreneur, when you're working on your own, you're very much tied into the brand that you're building for your business. So I think you're, that's when your personal brand just is what starts getting pushed out there. But you're also creating a, a brand for your business at the same time. So again, when we talk about you know, this, our story and the story that you're developing for yourself, for your business, 
this is really where your brand starts kind of growing out of so that you get to the point eventually where somebody kind of goes, oh yeah, I know you, you're the person who does whatever for whatever kind of people. And that's when you hear that sort of thing kind of reflected back on you, that's when you know that you've really done a good job building your brand. Sort of like with Coke when you think open happiness, because you've been bombarded with those commercials your whole life and the happy people opening their Coke and living a joyful life because they have pop. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so Trista, yeah. what is SEO and <laughs> why does it matter? Okay. So um, this is this is a huge question, and here is my very tiny answer. Um, so search. So SEO, those three letters, stands for search engine optimization, which is uh, a pretty big buzzword these days. There are a lot of buzzwords in marketing, and that's definitely one of them. Everybody's really concerned about SEO. Um, at its most basic, what SEO is, is that Google, and please go with me here and pretend that Google is Earth's only search engine, because it essentially <laughs> it de facto is. is. Um, <laughs> so, so for, these, for the purposes of this conversation, I am talking exclusively about Google. And since most other search engines are using some version of Google's algorithm. <laughs> um, so um, Google's job, their only job as a search engine provider is to deliver lightning fast, hyper uh, relevant results to their people. So what search engine optimization does is it helps Google understand what your website is about and then can therefore serve your website to someone who is looking for it as a very relevant result. So what it does is it is a, <laughs> a decently complex set of variables that can be boiled down to a few major things um, that help you have uh, essentially like a rank is a, is a buzzword too, but you essentially have a rank, right? So you kind of get ranked against other websites. Um, and what they're trying to do is uh, determine whether or not you're the real deal and whether or not your information is good. And they do that through uh, sort of a, a list of things um, like how many links are to your website, um, how often you update it, um, and a host of other things. Um, but that, it, in, it, in a nutshell, is what SEO is. It is helping a search engine read your website so that it can provide you as a very relevant result to someone looking for what you do. So in theory, could I just um, <clears throat> put a whole bunch of keywords into like my blog post titles and then just hope that works? So I mean, yeah. <laughs> but also, no. <laughs> so, so when it comes to those keywords, um, now, as time has gone on, this has gotten deeply complex. So when it comes down to your niche and what you do, um, there, is, there are tools available to you for free through Google um, where you can um, look at what keywords are uh, in whatever it is that you do. So let's say digital marketing, for example. So I can go and search digital marketing, and then I can search a bunch of keywords that go along with that. Social media uh, marketing, uh, Facebook posts, Facebook marketing, Facebook ads, those are all kinds of things that might fall under, under that. And what it'll do is it'll tell you how, 
um, what the competition is, like how often that's searched for, and how high the competition is there. So how many people are also trying to rank for that or trying to get that. So the trick is that you kind of want to find a keyword that describes what you're doing that is not clever. This is not a place to be clever. This is a place to be clear. So, you, you, you know, there's a lot of euphemisms for digital marketing, but you don't want any of those. You want it to be as clear as possible. Um, but you do want to say uh, that, you know, ranking for Facebook posts or like best Facebook posts, that's going to be hard. But if you have whatever it is that's your spin on it, you can add, you can try looking for that. Now, keywords are only one piece of this. So where that keyword exists in your page and in your blog post, um, the number of headings that it's in, whether it's in the first paragraph, there's sort of a lot of things that go along with that. But it also has to go along with um, the overall uh, of what your website is. So let's say my website is Let's not say it. It is. So my website is about marketing and branding for women in business. Now, if I decided to write a post about a cake that I wanted to bake for my grandmother's 90th birthday, I would have to make sure that that was also a marketing metaphor. If I just decided to basically do a baking blog on my marketing website, that is very confusing to Google because it puts things in context. So if I wrote a post about how baking a cake for my grandmother's birthday taught me about the perfect Facebook post, it works. It's still, Google can still say Facebook post is a relevant search term for what this lady told me her website is about. So as you can see, it does get complex the more and more you go on. Um, but it isn't something undoable for the average entrepreneur. You just need a little bit of guidance. So this is, um, this is one of those questions I'm sure that you get all the time. How do you, how do you brand yourself? and market yourself and get yourself on social media and do all of this stuff with zero budget? Sure. So I think, you know, everything that I've been talking about so far really is like this is stuff that you can do by yourself. You don't need to hire anybody for it. And really, when you're an entrepreneur, you want to be setting the tone for your company yourself anyway. It's not something you want to be hiring somebody for. So. It's really all about thinking about the value that you're bringing to the people that you're trying to connect with. Who are you trying to improve their life with lives with your product? And getting kind of behind that, getting under the skin of what it is, and then just developing the language for your story, developing the tone, the little bits of copy that start to kind of really resonate with people. Like all of this stuff is stuff that you can do by yourself and it's not gonna cost anything. You know, maybe I could start with like building a website on, you know, I'm gonna be plugging some things here like Squarespace or Wix or one of those like free sites. Absolutely, absolutely. And that everything, should be coming out of you. Like, definitely share what you're doing with your friends and with people who you're close to, who you, who you trust, and see what they think of what you're writing. Um, but, I mean, those, those websites are just awesome for small businesses and for entrepreneurs who are starting off with their project. You can customize them. You can, you can, you know, 
they look great, they work really well, and they're so easy to use too, and it's a great way to build a brand. And you know, like these days, like you don't even need a logo. Like, you know, I think it's just like, I don't have a logo. Um, it's, it's, a brand is just so much more than, than just like the visual aspects of, of what your, you know, what your company is or who you are, right? And Paula, what about, you know, like I can't afford to do paid ads or promotions? Uh, well, uh, social media is a great place if you have uh, no limited budget to uh, start with. Uh, but what I would say about is it's low in cost. It is not necessarily low in time. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you... Uh, it will take a lot of your time to have a consistent social media presence. And um, uh, like Brenda said, I think uh, using, uh, yeah, putting, pushing your message, or uh, sorry, soundboarding off of your friends and family and asking them to share things. If it if it's resonates to them, you don't want them to just be putting stuff up going, oh, my cousin did this, and you should see it too. Because people won't respond to that because they see it as, my mom said I had to share this because my cousin did it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not the look um, you want. And I think you, what you're hearing here, too, is how interconnected what all of us do, too, yes. is, right? Because, I mean, definitely building your brand on social media is just one of the easiest things that you can do because social media is a free platform, right? It's about being consistent, about being out there all the time, and it helps you... Um, what I found really um, useful when I was first working with startups um, was using social media as a way of actually testing messaging. So I came from a big brand, big agency sort of background in that kind of environment where, you know, testing was something very different from that. And social media was a wonderful way to just kind of see what works right away. So if you're kind of going, oh, should I say that you can test price, you can test tone, you can test all kinds of messaging, and it's really wonderful that way. You can take down posts that don't work for you anymore, that, are, that weren't working or whatever. So it's really, social media is a wonderful tool for building a brand, I think. Yeah. And I was just going to say that uh, on that note, uh, it, because it's so uh, time sensitive, it, yeah, testing things out can be very forgiving because, you know, tweets that are a week old are really old. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. after three days. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah. You depreciate the, faster than your computer. Yeah. What if, what if, Paula, what if I just have a Facebook page for my company and that's it? Am I. Is that a good place to start, or do I actually need something with a .com or a .ca at the end of it? I mean, ideally, you you do have a website that people can go to that expands a little bit more on what you do. But I mean, if if you're just looking for if you're just looking for some place to start, Facebook is a great place to put that up there. I think I always think of Facebook as like the yellow pages of the internet, like the yellow pages of social media. I mean, not everybody is on Facebook, but there is a large percentage of the world is. Yeah. Um, 
And so you know you can find somebody in your demographic there. So, And it's also uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram are also the places people go now when they want to reach out to a company. Uh, I think I read a stat something like 60% of consumers will go to Twitter and Facebook to contact a company about something. Bef like They won't phone them. They won't email them the way they used to. So I think it's having, uh, if, if you don't have the money for a website, although like Trista said, you can budget it pretty low that I would advise that, uh, a Facebook page is a great place to be found. The other I was gonna say, I think it depends on your demographic. Yeah, that's too. true. Right? So what I'm seeing is there's, I'm seeing a lot of small, I'm talking small food producers, but you know, they, there's a big movement now towards small local food producers. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a real, a lot of consumer interest in this. And what I'm seeing is small local food producers who are going straight to a Facebook page, not doing a website until they have sort of national sales and until they're of a certain scale because of where their bandwidth is and where their audience is. So they're finding for them a Facebook page works well. In a way, you can set up a Facebook page like a website. So I think from, from that point of view, it's sort of like it's Facebook for, for people like that is taking their community and letting their community grow within the Facebook sort of ecosystem, which can really work well for those sort of small local brands. Totally. To, that my, are very female sort oh, of directed yeah. to, yeah, right? They are. Yeah, they are. And my only, the only thing I, I want to add to that is that when you are tied very heavily and your business is tied very heavily to a platform that you don't control, you want to make sure that you've got an exit strategy. So you don't control Facebook and Facebook can at any time decide that for some reason you are in violation of their service terms and you they can shut your Facebook page down. And that is true of anyone right now. They, I could go home tonight and my personal profile and all my business profiles could be gone. It, and sometimes it's very illogical and sometimes it's a mistake and sometimes it's hard to get back. So just make sure that like you've at least got an exit strategy in the back of your mind that if this all went completely tits up tomorrow, what would, where would I pick up from here? What would my next, like how would I reach those people? Have I still grabbed their email addresses? Do I still have access to those people in some other way? Make sure that you're not so tied to one platform that in, with terms of service that you don't control. Similar things can happen with like Squarespace or with a website, you know, with a service provider that you have. But you are, if they take your website down, you still own the files on there and they're still responsible to give them to you and you can move them to a new host. There are ways that you, but you still own what you do, you still have control over it. So that's my only caution. It doesn't mean don't do exactly what you just no, said. It just means like, you can get I've I've had and I'm I'm big about this because this has actually happened to a couple of my customers um, who have lost 5,000 people Facebook pages they were doing too much business for Facebook on their personal page they lost all of it they had no way to retain that customer base they essentially started over from scratch in minutes so just a heads up I am just uh, learn from Excellent learn point. from our fail <laughs> <laughs> is, is that actually like very common because I didn't know that you know, Facebook just takes people's things down unless they do something like overtly, you know, post like an inappropriate picture or something. Yeah, I, w I don't want to go so far as to say it's common. What I do know is that like 
it happens more than you think. So like if it happens even 1% of the time to like 1% of Facebook pages, that's still a shocking number of people. So it's if it even happens half a percent, that's a shocking number of people. So in terms of, and what Facebook is trying to do essentially is get that to be a social platform, right? So they want it to be a safe place for you to go and do your thing. If people are doing too much business on a personal page, it interferes with the way they want people to use their, and also they want to get paid for the ads. So, <laughs> so they're just like, click. <laughs> so, I'm going to step off my soapbox now. So Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Just to follow up for me. If, so if that's the case and I've got, let's say, a Facebook page or I've got an Instagram following, I've got you know, 7,000 followers on Instagram. I was speaking to one of our entrepreneurs who's, um, uh, she's got 7,000 followers on her page for her cat. Um, and she's looking at, you know, she's looking at monetizing that. So, so here's the, you know, the big question is, if I'm just starting out, is, is it worth me just saying, okay, here are the customers I can put my hands on. Uh, can I just put a bunch of email addresses in an Excel file and, and reach out to them directly if I'm, you know, running a catering business or something like that? Uh, well, you have to collect their emails because uh, Facebook and Instagram... Uh, they don't, and Twitter, I don't, there, there might be some third-party softwares that will, uh, or services that will help you download followers, but that's not inherently part of the platform. The idea is that you're supposed to stay there, and I know Facebook, there's all sorts of privacy issues around that too, of course. Um, so, I mean, capturing emails is a great thing to do, and you can do that on any platform. Uh, I mean, it's not something you want to do all the time on Twitter or Facebook. If you're constantly posting about it, people are gonna forget. But um, yeah, um, like Trista said, having an exit, that would be a great way to put an exit strategy into your page. Um, and uh, newsletters are a great way to sort of get to know your audience better and start to segregate and uh, segregate your audience and send specific messages to specific demographics and continue the conversations that you're having online, offline. I know social media, you were saying, especially on Twitter, a lot of people are quite opinionated, um, yes. kind of lack of a filter sometimes. Um, but what do I do if um, a customer leaves an angry comment on my page? Say, I don't know, I'm selling like beauty products and they go like, oh, I had an allergic reaction from this, you didn't label it properly, and they're ranting publicly on your page, which is obviously gonna be bad for your business. Yeah, uh, those posts are always fun. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think uh, the most important thing to do is to respond to their comment as soon as possible. Um, if, if it's appropriate and possible, uh, get them to email uh, get them to email you somewhere or DM them privately so that you can handle it through your usual customer service uh, uh, like process. Uh, but uh, what's really important is to be empathetic um, and listen to their problems. And uh, I don't think you need to say a lot. Um, but yeah, just uh, make sure to respond and be polite. And uh, if, yeah, and just try to take the, the issue offline as soon as possible. Um, and obviously, like, something like that is actually a legitimate complaint compared to, like, uh, what if somebody's just, you know, tweeting, like, political stuff on my page that has nothing to do with my business. Yeah, because that's a, that, I mean, both of those things happen and they're, they're uh, separate issues. 
But uh, so if somebody is uh, trying to, because I have had this happen to some of my profiles that people try to push different opinionated pieces, uh, usually uh, you ignore them. Uh, if, it's, if they're trying to have a conversation with you and it's appropriate, you can sort of, uh, you can reply, but uh, it, it sort of depends on the subject. There is a, a, a rule that I read about in terms of uh, when someone is uh, uh, sort of being a little pushy about their opinions on social, uh, say I post, because this happens sometimes on, uh, since I post for the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce, every once in a while there's a, a male user who thinks they understand something differently than we do. And uh, so usually what you do is, so I post something, they respond, then I reply, maybe something trying to better understand what they're saying or say what I thought, why, why we posted the article, something like that. And then if they respond again with something negative, then you just ignore it. You don't respond to it again. You don't continue this conversation. You sort of acknowledge, if it's appropriate, you acknowledge that you heard them in the first place. Uh, and then if they keep uh, posting stuff like that, then you can block them. So at yeah. that point, you'd kind of just trust the public's common sense that, you know, this person's obviously just kind of yeah. harassing me. And I mean, especially if it's not totally relevant to your product. I mean, in, in terms of talking about uh, gender equality, then I'm always trying to have that conversation. But people, aren't all, people don't always go to Twitter because they want to have a conversation. They go because <laughs> they want to say what they want about something. What? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> use your judgment. Always be polite. Um, always try to be authentic and always try to be empathetic. That's what I'd say. Um, and one other thing, actually, should I just delete a post? Is that ever okay? You can delete posts. I mean, it, it's possible in all of the platforms. I don't like deleting posts because uh, it. Well, it messes with my analytic numbers, uh, but that's more, that's not so much an angry comment thing. Um, but I just, some, the, the issue is if somebody notice, notices, there's all sorts of uh, um, social brand media issues. fails, brand <laughs> issues where people have, uh, like a perfect example that everybody knows about is like Fire Festival. People started posting <laughs> angry comments about you're not replying to me, I sent you emails, and they started deleting those posts because they didn't want people to see them. And that just made the situation so much worse because then those people go, you deleted my comment, you're not responding, to this, and it snowballs and it's a huge thing where if, you know, even if you'd ignored it, it wouldn't have been as bad. I mean, they, they made a lot of mistakes, but. Um, yeah, this is an problem. Yeah, that's an extreme example, just one that I know people can reference easily. Uh, but yeah, so I would say yeah. don't delete things unless it's really uh, offensive. But okay. even then, uh, you gotta be really careful about it. And the internet's written in pen. Like, it's not written in pencil. And mm -hmm. if, if it was bad enough, to anyone. Things happen like that. So it doesn't matter how long your tweet was up. It doesn't matter how long that post that turned out to be inappropriate was up. It doesn't matter. Someone screenshotted that. Yeah. So it's yeah. if you delete it, if you delete it and then don't address the deletion, you can also, you can do yourself a, a big disservice because someone's got a screenshot of that. Someone took receipts. So again, this is a brand issue, exactly. right? So this is about 
how you, you know, to your point earlier, it's, you know, brands are what people say about you when you're not in the room. So if the brand experience or like how you handle customer complaints includes removing, removing posts about people saying like, hi, you didn't respond to my complaint uh, and you took all my money and that it's your company culture to delete that post, then yeah. Then you were you were kind of doomed from the start, um, but if it's your company culture to handle that with empathy, like you know, as as has been said, then like and to to try to address it correctly and try to address what what the wrong was or whatever, then that is the right thing to do. But it's not. This is not. It seems like a temporary medium. It is not anymore. Good to keep in mind. Um, so on a more positive note, um, I mean, the world, social media is a great tool. You just have to be really careful with it, obviously. Um, Brenda, can you give an example of a company that knows their audience really well? Are we talking social media? In general. You know, okay, I'm a little bit stuck here because... Um, when you'd asked me before about this, I was kind of, I was thinking off in another space and I'm thinking, I'm thinking like um, e-commerce platforms that I really like. So I was, I was thinking of sort of shopping platforms and I've got to say there's, there's one brand, well.ca, that I really like and I think that they're doing a wonderful job and they're just like, they really have this niche really nicely sewn up so it's like, women who are concerned about the kind of you know household products that they have and their taste runs to more than you're going to find at like say Loblaws or Sobeys and whatever and I think that they the way that they have worked their marketing um, it's like the whole the whole package is an online package right it doesn't they have no bricks and mortar stores um, and they've done a wonderful job of creating a brand that women can trust. And I think that it's, it's become, what I see is that emerging brands are flocking to it because they can see what their, who their audience is too. So I think it's working really well um, the way that we want digital engagement to work, the way we really want digital businesses to work where the whole ecosystem is sort of supporting itself each other. Well, thanks everybody for the for the wonderful questions and, and thanks to our panelists. This was uh, this was eye opening for me because I learned new things that I did not know, and that's why we do these uh, that's why we do these podcasts here, the CNIB Venture Zone podcasts. We'll be doing this again next month, uh, so don't forget Saturday, March thirtieth. It's a Saturday. It's at one in the afternoon right here at the at the uh, Toronto Community Hub. Uh, we will have our three entrepreneurs. Um, we can say who they are. Chris Chamberlain, uh, founder of Frontier Computing. Uh, Denise Justin, who runs a clothing line called Say Hello to Blindness. And uh, Mary Mamaliti, who is a food blogger with a uh, food blog called Kitchen, Kitchen Confessions. And uh, they will be on our panel here next month at uh, the GTA Community Hub. Uh, these guys are going to be hanging out for a little bit if you want to meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we want to thank everybody who is uh, tuning in via Facebook. Uh, say goodbye to Facebook, everybody. Bye, Bye everyone. Facebook. Thanks so much. So uh, let's hear it for our panelists. Give them a round of applause. And I'm Kevin Shaw. Thank you to Jacqueline. Thanks, Jacqueline. 
No problem. I had a lot of fun today. This was a CNIB Foundation podcast.